are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Brian Peacock, your host here on this Rapid React Monday episode, breaking down everything that happened from Sunday's 14-9 loss at the hands of the Chicago Bears. Game notes, takeaways, we'll give away some game balls at the end of the program. And I also want to thank everybody, wish everyone a uh, happy holidays and hope you're safe on your holiday travels. Most likely you will be traveling to or from somewhere uh, listening to this podcast. So drive safe out there and I hope you all have a great holiday. And it pleases me to officially open up the Locked On 49ers jersey giveaway because today is the day Locked On 49ers has gone over 1 million downloads for the year. A million downloads in 2018, so uh, I'm super excited about that. I can't thank all of you guys enough who are here every day listening to me blabber on about the 49ers in a four-win season right now. 49ers falling to 4-11 and 11 this week. It's been a fun ride for me, at least, doing this show daily, and I've had a lot of fun doing it. It's been awesome interacting with you guys, and I hope you guys have enjoyed it as well. And uh, we'll be dipping into the mailbag probably a little bit later this week. I will also be traveling home and visiting some family for Christmas, so I might uh, not have a lot of time to get a bunch of episodes in this week, but I hope to get at least one, maybe two more episodes after Christmas. Hit me up on Twitter, at BDPeacock, and that's where you can find uh, all the specifics about the Locked On 49ers jersey giveaway in celebration here of the 1 million downloads for the year in 2018. So thank you all so much for that. Find my Twitter at BD Peacock, and uh, that's the place to respond to. And, you know, some people have already tried to jump in on it, and I've got those things documented. So if you've already entered the contest, I already know about it. Whether it was on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, I'll see it, and I still will see it. But it'd be, it'd be nice if everybody was doing it in the same thread of one tweet. So go to BD Peacock on Twitter. Maybe I'll do one thread on Facebook as well. So one on Twitter, one on Facebook. Just go to one of those places to officially enter the jersey giveaway, a jersey of your choice, and I'll be sending it out to you after I pick the the lucky winner at random at some point this week. And basically all I want here, and I want to make sure it goes to a listener. That's why I'm going to do it this way is I want you, I don't want someone to just respond to it or retweet that tweet and be involved in the giveaway if they didn't listen to the program. So what I want to do is just have a somehow document how you listen to the podcast. Just take a screenshot of yourself or a photo of yourself listening to the program and then respond to that tweet and you'll be entered to win a 49ers jersey of your choice as a big thank you for being a part of that. To go from nothing to build it up to having a million downloads in 2018 has been awesome. So uh, let's keep it going and, and go for 2 million next year, right? Maybe the 49ers will double or triple their win total in 2019. Let's double or triple the listenership here on Locked On 49ers. Okay, let's talk about some football, shall we? 49ers and Bears, 14-9. to Chicago, the victory. The Bears headed to the playoffs. Still have, I think, maybe an outside chance of squeaking by the Rams and getting that home field advantage and a little uh, buy in the first round of the playoffs, but still an outside chance. The 49ers would have to help them out by beating the Rams. And the Bears are pretty good, man. <laughs> the Bears are good on defense. They're so good. They're so sound. They're they're good everywhere. So I think that's what makes it so difficult. And we saw that today. The 49ers were just having difficulty when they were when they were able to move the ball. Things got tight around the red zone. 
And uh, in the second half, they really put a clamp on the 49ers, kind of like the Broncos did. The second halves have been a little bit rough for the 49ers the last couple of weeks, aside from that Seahawks game where they had a little bit of, of success in the second half. But Chicago under Vic Fangio can sit back. They can get after the quarterback rushing just their front four. They're so good up front. They were pressuring the 49ers all day. By the way, Nick Mullins did a great job. His his line did not look great, but he did a really good job to not, first of all, get killed and not take a bunch of sacks. He did get sacked the one time, but that was Roquan Smith, even though he was constantly under pressure. So I thought even though it wasn't a great game for Mullins, I thought he came out looking pretty good after this one, playing against that tough defense. And so they can get pressure with their front four so they don't have to bring extra pressure, so that helps them cover guys. And then they can stop the run with their front seven, don't have to bring extra guys in the box to stop the run. So that really helps them in both ways. They can play really uh, just a traditional set and play the way they want to play and are very good against the run and against the pass. And the 49ers ended up throwing a lot because they, they weren't having great success running the ball especially after Matt Breida left the game because he had a little success early on. And speaking of Breida, again with the ankle. He left with the ankle injury late first, I think it was early second quarter. Uh, Dante Pettis, knee injury, left the game. Garrett Selleck had a head injury. All three of them would leave and not come back for the 49ers. And long-term, you worry about Pettis' knee and Breida's ankle. And at this point, I don't know how you can play Breida next week because he keeps coming back on this ankle, keeps re-injuring it you got to let the darn thing heal. Um, and you, it really it, it worries you a little bit because it's like, okay, because Matt Breed is really good, and he's such a good fit for Kyle Shanahan's offense, but you can't trust that he can stay healthy for a full game, let alone a full season. So how much, how, how much work can you plan to put on his plate going into 2019? That's an interesting question, and I'm not sure I have the answer to that, but I know you can't count on him to carry the load, which is unfortunate. It'd be awesome if you could just say, hey, we got the starting running back, and we're getting another guy who we think is a starting capable running back back So, um, in Jarek McKinnon. So maybe that's just the answer. Maybe it's they're going to share time and keep them both healthy, hopefully by not overusing either one of those two guys and then have some depth in there as well. Jeff Wilson will be back and fighting for a job, and I'm sure they'll add somebody, whether it's a free agent or just another rookie, probably a day three pick or something like that, maybe another free undrafted free agent who have turned out pretty well for the 49ers at the position. They don't have to throw a lot of uh, resources, I don't think, at running back. But uh, And if they do bring, if they do draft a running back, I, I'm guessing it'll be someone who's good in the passing game. So if you're scouting for running back, someone the Niners might take a look at day three, look for those guys who are good uh, pass catchers in the draft. And, you know, a lot of times the passing game isn't, isn't where college running backs excel. But, um, man, watching Tariq Cohen, be nice if the 49ers had somebody like that. And I think that's somewhat of what Kyle Shanahan envisioned Jarek McKinnon being like in his offense. That guy who could split out wide and, and, and make big plays and has all that speed. So we'll see what Jarek McKinnon looks like next year. But I think they might have to have a contingency because McKinnon's got the ACL he's coming off of. Don't know how he's going to recover from that. Matt Breida continually having these ankle problems. He's not the biggest back. And I worry about that a little bit with Dante Pettis, too, with his knee. It's like he's already hurt his knee twice this year. He's such a weirdly flexible guy, which partially helped him both get hurt and get his knee down so that wasn't a fumble on that play because he was bending in such an awkward position. But he's so slim. Can he be someone you can count on to be potentially a number one receiver for you where you're peppering him with 10 targets plus a game? I don't know if he can withstand that in the NFL just because of the way his body's built. 
uh, and we'll see with these guys. And so, you know, a lot of times it's bad luck. The 49ers have had a ton of bad luck this year with injuries. So it's not just like, oh, he's skinny. He will never be able to play in the league. There's a lot of skinny guys that have long careers, a lot of big guys that get hurt all the time. So that's not the only answer. But as Scott McClune used to say, and by the way, I wonder if Scott McClune might be available to be a little draft consultant for the 49ers in the offseason. I know he'll be helping out some team because his track record is just too good. Did a fantastic job with the Browns last year as you know, as someone who doesn't have to be a full-time member of someone's scouting department unless someone's willing to pay him that and, and bring him in, which probably should be unless his, you know, his demons off the field are, are something that, that make that impossible for teams right now with Scott McLuhan. But, man, anyway, back to my point, Scott McLuhan says it's a big man's game, and it is still a big, man, big man's game. Even though there's a lot of speed and, and teams are spreading it out more and they're throwing so often, you have to be able to withstand that. And if you're a little guy, you got to prove that you can take the pounding in, in the last 16 games because um, – and, and, it, and it also goes to show how much depth you need because guys are getting hurt more and being held out more for injuries that they might have played through in the past and just sucked it up or taken you know, whatever they needed to take to be on the field. Uh, that's not happening as much anymore. So um, – and, and there's still a lot of guys playing with injuries, and the 49ers have had some of those guys as well that have just gutted through it, like Weston Richburg comes to mind, and Matt Breida continually going back out there and trying to play more. And he even got taped up and was standing on the sideline, and I was thinking, what the hell are they doing? He wouldn't even go in the locker room. He was standing – they showed it on the camera on TV – Dante Pettis is in plain clothes. Matt Breed is still in his uniform, got his ankle taped up, and he's like ready to go back in the entire game. He never took that off, even though they said he was out. So that's just the kind of mentality he has. He wants to play, and he doesn't like missing games. You can definitely tell that from Matt Breida. But 49ers might have to just step in and hold him out because what's the point? He's just he, he you got to get that ankle healthy and and you risk the opportunity in a in, in a somewhat meaningless game for the 49ers in week 17. Matt Breed has pre- proven all he needs to prove. Hold him out. Make sure he doesn't hurt that ankle even worse going into 2019. Okay, let's take a quick break here. We'll get back into uh, some game notes, takeaways, and give out some game balls and then look at where the 49ers are in the draft as of week 16. Watching football is fun. We all know that. But it's more entertaining when you have some action on the games. Guys, you've heard me talk about this for weeks, and some of you are still on the sidelines. Whether you're an expert or rookie, you should be betting at my bookie. If you're the kind of guy who likes to Bet a little and win a lot, like playing the numbers on roulette, you can create a big parlay. Pick three teams to win, and if you hit all three, you could turn $100 into $600. There's so much to bet on. College basketball, football, NBA, NHL, custom props, esports, you name it. Of course, 49ers and NFL football. My bookie is the one bet I know you'll be happy with all year. Sign up this week and my bookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus to jumpstart your bankroll. It's a great way to bank even more money when you win. Also, make sure you follow at BetMyBookie on Twitter. They personally respond to every mention and DM. And not only that, they've given away more than $10,000 in free money to their followers this football season. You'll be the first to know as soon as new odds and props are posted. So don't miss out on one of the best weeks to bet on sports this year. Log on to MyBookie right now and use promo code LOCKEDON to get 50% deposit bonus. That's promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% deposit bonus at MyBookie, where you play, you win, you get paid. Aside from the disastrous start to the second quarter, losing Matt Breida and Dante Pettis, uh, the 49ers would take a 3-0 lead on a Robbie Gold field goal. But more importantly, the 49ers got a turnover. No, they didn't turn it over to the other team. They received a turnover. 
unbelievable. And and it was a theme of the game because, well, they had multiple plays that looked like a turnover that were overturned later, but they were ripping at the ball. They were punching the ball out. Um, they were uh, doing their damnedest to try to get the ball and, and get some of those turnovers that they've been so difficult to find this season for the 49ers. But the Bears tried some weird Trubisky trickeration play, and it turned out very badly for Chicago. DeForest Buckner picks up the fumble after Tariq Cohen drops the backward pass from Trubisky. That was just a poorly drawn up play from the start. And uh, that would lead to another Robbie Gold field goal, 6 nothing 49ers in the second quarter. And you really got the feeling, and I put it in my notes here, it's like the, the threes aren't going to be enough. 49ers getting down and not being able to put seven on the board is, is going to be difficult. And if there's one thing that, and I've seen it out there, and some people have talked about this with Kyle Shanahan, so far in San Francisco, Shanahan's offenses have been better at putting up yards than at putting up points and getting into the end zone. So red zone offense, I think it definitely has to be something that's a theme for the 49ers in the offseason to try to get better at. And that doesn't mean just drafting tall people that you can chuck the ball up to and pull down rebounds, although that, you know, that would help having, I think, some bigger-bodied receivers. But uh, being better at running the ball in small spaces because I think that's part of the, the running game too. The outside zone stuff works so much better when you have space to run it and you have that extra bit of space when things get more compact, which they do in the red zone. It makes it a little bit more difficult, and I, I think it, it would help to be able to have a little bit more power element or just you know better at finding those creases inside in the running game. And then obviously, you know, some bigger body wide receivers to post up would help a little bit as well. But there's, I think, multiple things and just not having penalties and um, and just being better at executing the plays that are called. So I think there's a lot of things that contribute to that. And it's not just Kyle Shanahan's scheme or anything why the 49ers are, are not as good getting into the end zone as probably should be for how many yards they put up and how often they are able to uh, climb down the field and, and get into position to score. I really like the Fred Warner play covering Adam Shaheen down the field, down the seam into the end zone. And Fred Warner is really developing as such a good player, although he did have a key defensive holding penalty that negated one of those interceptions, the Kawan Williams interception in the end zone. And so instead, the the Bears had first and goal in the red zone, and uh, Trubisky would find Anthony Miller for a five-yard touchdown pass. Nice little route by Miller on the rookie, Tarvarius Moore. He had uh, sort of sold the fade route and then cut it off and then came back to the pylon. It was pretty easy pitching catch from Trubisky there. And uh, that put the Bears up 7-6 to six with a minute 50 to play in the first half. The Mullins two-minute drill to end the first half. This was fantastic. Working the sideline of Marquise Goodwin, then a nice touch pass, which was maybe my favorite pass of the game from Mullins, was the nice touch pass to the left sideline in the two-minute drill to Trent Taylor, who got his feet inbounds and, and got the 49ers down to the 13-yard line with 30 seconds left. But then again, the drive stalled out and ended up third and eight play. Bourne caught the ball just short of the first down marker, then there was the whole fire drill thing. They didn't know if they had to run the field goal team off. They were out of timeouts. They would go back and look at the play, and they actually said it was a first down, which I, I didn't think it was. But either way, it was going to be a Robbie Gold field goal attempt. And we all know Robbie Gold is nails. The Bears uh, probably wish they still had Robbie Gold, even though the missed Cody Parkey field goal from the first quarter didn't come back to bite Chicago. And the Niners went up 9-7 to seven at halftime. I talked about this a little bit earlier, and... Khalil Mack was just living in the 49ers' backfield. And there was the multiple batted-down passes in the first couple of drives for the 49ers by Akeem Hicks getting up and batting the ball down in Mullins' face. But Khalil Mack was all over Mullins, but 
Nick Mullins did such a fantastic job getting rid of the ball and not taking those sacks. And so, um, you know, not great-looking statistical performance. I came away sort of impressed. I, I just, I just kind of liked – I like Nick Mullins, man. Something about his demeanor, and he's fully in charge, and he's kind of a weirdo sometimes in interviews, and you can't really tell where his head's at, and you can't really tell what kind of a person he is. But when he's on the field, it's like this dude's in charge of the offense. He, he does his homework. He studies up. He knows where to go with the football. Ball comes out on time. Uh, he makes some sort of off-platform throws occasionally when there's guys in his face and is able to get the ball out in some funky positions. And he doesn't have, you know, the height, weight, speed, and, and a big cannon arm. But he's a capable NFL quarterback. And he, I think he's he proved it again, even in a 49ers loss where they couldn't even put the ball in the end zone. I think he had 200 and I don't, I don't have the stats in front of me anymore, 200 and something, 240 yards or something, and an interception. So not great statistically, but I came away impressed and liked what I saw from Mullins in this loss. Then in the second half, the Bears really clamped down on defense. They held the 49ers scoreless for the last two quarters. And offensively, what they were able to do is very dink and dunk offense. But they were able to put together these long drives. And the 49ers prevented any big plays from happening. But the Bears were just, they charged down the field. Uh, I believe it was, yeah, here's a tweet from Ray Ratto that broke it all down. The Bears' second half possessions are as follows. 12 plays, 90 yards. It took 7 minutes and 43 seconds. It ended in a touchdown. Uh, I believe that was the Jordan Howard touchdown where he walked into the end zone after Tariq Cohen, Taylor Gabriel, Trey Burton, a lot of short stuff there in, in Chicago, marched down the field on the 49ers. Then the next drive, 9 plays, only 22 yards, but it still took 4 minutes and 27 seconds off the clock and the Bears would end up punting. Nine plays and still punting is is sort of a rarity there. Only 22 yards on those nine plays. Following drive, 10 plays, 42 yards, uh, 5.37 off the clock, and that would end on what looked like it could have been a big play for the Bears. Trubisky hitting Allen Robinson on a slant route at the two-minute warning and converting what looked to be a third and short, but Allen Robinson on the slant would catch it, run, and pretty much seal the win for the Bears. But Tarverius Moore, he gave up the catch, but he he came back, gave the peanut punch there, knocked the ball out from behind. Craig Maiman would recover, and San Francisco miraculously had one life left to try to win it. A minute 50 left to go 75 yards. They were down five, and they needed a touchdown. No timeouts left for San Francisco. So big catch and run for Kendrick Bourne after the Bears were flagged for holding George Kittle. They definitely didn't want to let Kittle get loose and have him be the guy uh, that beat them. And then it left them, so eventually a fourth and four from midfield, a minute 10 left. Uh, Nick Mullins, this will be the play that gets talked about a lot. A big learning experience for Mullins. I think he obviously made the wrong play here. He passes up an opportunity to run for the first down. He chucks it deep for Marquise Goodwin and said, it was incomplete, out of bounds, and that would be the ball game. So he could have done a number of things. He could have tried to run for the first down, although it's not a 100% guarantee that he had it because he had a pretty athletic edge guy in Leonard Floyd that was chasing after him that might have been able to chase him down, but it, it was it was looking like it was going to be a pretty easy first down for Nick Mullins there to at least get there across and, and get out of bounds after the marker and live to play another few downs with about a minute left and have a new set of downs to play with. Or the other thing is, if you're going to see it and you believe it and you trust yourself, make the throw and hit Goodwin in bounds. The throw went out of bounds, so you know I had zero chance, and that's, and that's game over. So at least give your guy a chance to catch it. So 
he, he's, he screwed up in multiple ways on that last play. Learning experience for Nick Mullins, but again, like I mentioned before, I'm not going to harp on that. Uh, I'm not down on Nick Mullins after that play. It was a tough situation for him to be in, a tough draw against that Bears defense. And the Bears were a better team. They played pretty good, and they did what they had offensively to do to win that game 14-9. to All right, take a quick break here, and I'll be back with some game balls, and we'll try to figure out where the 49ers draft order remains here going into the final week. I totally just skipped over the whole melee that happened with the 49ers and the Bears. That's pretty important. So I guess we'll start the game ball portion of this podcast with that. I got to give my first game ball to Richard Sherman, who played his usual solid game over there at left cornerback, but showing up and, and trying to defend his teammates and throwing a few blows and showing off some quick hands over there on the Bears' sideline, not backing down from anything. Um, I think he earned a little bit of respect. on the. I mean, I, th- I think generally it's like, oh, you know, Richard, you shouldn't do that. You got ejected. You're a bad boy. I think probably 100% of the people, including coaching and front office people and all of his teammates in the 49ers locker room, uh, gave him a little pat on the back for for that because, you know, where that game was and the 49ers aren't, it wasn't like a situation where he hurt their season or hurt their outlook or hurt their game even by doing that. Um, and obviously the, the Bears were throwing blows. What are you going to do? Just let a guy just take shots at the side of your head? And so stupid play, first of all, by Marcel Harris. He absolutely should have got flagged. And and if a player did that to one of the 49ers quarterbacks, I would hope that they would stick up for him because that was a late hit and you can't hit the quarterback who's sliding because even the thing about a sliding quarterback, which is why some quarterbacks don't like it, because when you are giving yourself up, you're wide open. If a guy wants to take a shot, he can because you can't protect yourself when you're sliding backwards on your butt and your head is just out there. So... I get why they were mad, but the dude Bellamy, who wasn't even involved in the play, is on the sideline and, and just trying to throw blows at people. It's like, dude, get out of here. You weren't a part of the game anyways. Why Why? Why were you even on the sideline? Like, go sit in the locker room. You don't even play. So, um, yeah, Richard Sherman, I'm going to give him a game ball, sticking up for his teammates. And uh, I, I saw some people saying, you know, this is why he's a leader. I don't know if that's necessary a leader, the guy that goes out and, and throws blows and gets ejected from a game. But that doesn't mean that it wasn't an okay thing in that particular, you know, I'm not an advocate of violence, but you got to be able to stand up for yourself and for your teammates. If someone's swinging at you, uh, you got to swing back. And uh, it looked like Sherman was uh, got a few blows in. He's he's got some quick hands. His his hands might be quicker than his feet even these days. Um, let's move on to game ball number two, and that is going to go to Elijah Lee, a first time game ball recipient here on Locked On 49ers. Twelve tackles, eleven of those solo. He was all over the place, and he's really stepping up. And he's played. Very well, I think, in 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 place of Reuben Foster. And you would have thought that would have been a massive drop-off for the 49ers, and it's part of the reason why the defense has looked pretty good down the stretch, even losing a guy like Reuben Foster. So Elijah Lee's done a pretty good job out there. I don't think he's done so well that the 49ers won't try to find someone who is better and maybe draft a guy who can eventually replace him, or they might look that way in free agency. But it's it's not as glaring. You know that Elijah Lee can play a little bit. Uh, apparently he lost some weight, and so he's playing at a pretty slim weight right now. But you can see that he's got those movement skills for a linebacker. So at worst, he's a really solid line a backup linebacker for the 49ers. And he's done a good job here being a starter and flying around the field and, and making tackles and making plays. He can cover a little bit because he's a pretty athletic guy. So I like the development from Elijah Lee, and he's gotten a shot like a lot of other rookies have to shine for the 49ers here down the stretch. Uh, Tarverius Moore, I'm going to give him a game ball. He played really well. Look, the 49ers, look, and the game balls are all staying on the defensive side because the 49ers only put up nine points. I guess 
Robbie Gold should probably get a game ball because he's a former Bear kicking against his former team, uh, knocked through three field goals while the Bears kicker mixed, missed one. So why not? Let's throw one in there. I don't know how many game balls I'm going to give out for a loss, but why not? Let's give one to Robbie Gold because he develops. He uh, deserves one too. But um, Tarverius Moore causing the turnover. Rookie getting his chance to play, starting at right cornerback. I love the aggressiveness he plays with. I think he plays with a lot more confidence than Akella Witherspoon has on the right side. And the 49ers, it's been a third-round pick on him for a reason. He's got all the athleticism in the world and uh, some developing still to do. But I like what I saw from Tarverius Morin. And he wasn't someone that a team could just roll in and target. At least the Bears couldn't roll in and just target and have their way with Tarverius Moore, even though they, they did uh, go his way more than a few times. He ended up with seven tackles. He's he's good in run support as well, not afraid to hit somebody. So I like what I saw from Tarverius Moore, the continued development there from, from young players. So let's give Tarverius Moore a game ball, mostly for that turnover-causing play, punching the ball out from Allen Robinson, and giving the 49ers one more shot to win that football game. And we're speaking of turnovers here, how about DeForest Buckner, who got the the other turnover, jumping on that fumble, but mostly he got his 12th sack of the season. He's so good inside, and so DeForest Buckner, why not? You're going to get a game ball too. Uh, honorable mentions, I'll mention Cassius Marsh. Um, I love the stunt on Cassius Marsh's first of two sacks, and I, I'm probably being too hard on Cassius Marsh by not throwing a throwing a game ball his way, but I'm sorry, Cassius, I'm out of game balls now, but um, I loved the Solomon Thomas Cassius Marsh stunt early in the game when Marsh got his first sack, and it was and it was funny because the 49ers are playing the Bears, and defensive coordinator Vic Fangio, and it was a, a Fangio staple when he was coaching the 49ers that Justin Smith playing the interior, Alden Smith coming underneath him, and they were so good running that stunt, and so it was awesome to see uh, the 49ers run that similar play and have that stunt work with uh, Solomon Thomas bursting upfield and taking the tackle and then the guard coming with Solomon Thomas because he's trying to block him too. And then the defensive end comes under and around and Cassius Marsh getting in there for the sack. So Solomon Thomas deserves half of, I think, that Cassius Marsh sack, as did Justin Smith deserved uh, a lot of half sacks for some of Alden Smith's production because those guys were so good at running that play. I'll go an honorable mention on the offensive side of the ball. George Kittle, seven catches for 74 yards. He was targeted 12 times. The Bears were doing their darndest to try to stop him from getting the ball. And so it was a tough afternoon for George Kittle, but he was fighting through. Was still able to make a few plays. And uh, how about this for George Kittle? On track to potentially have the most receiving yards for a tight end in NFL history. Right now, the Patriots' Rob Gronkowski is the record holder for 1,327 receiving yards for a tight end. He did that in 2011, which, by the way, was Gronk's second year in the league, just as it's George Kittle's second year in the league. Uh, One of the hurdles in George Kittle breaking that record is Travis Kelsey has even more yards right now than George Kittle. Both those guys could break, potentially, Rob Gronkowski's record this season. And so George Kittle's 99 yards away. Uh, Travis Kelsey is, what, about 50 yards away? So... Both those guys have an opportunity to break Gronk's record in Week 17. And my final game ball honorable mention goes to Christian, a.k.a. Gold Rush, spelled like Robbie Gold Rush. He bested my aggressively prudent fantasy football team in the Locked On 49ers Fantasy Football League Championship game. So congrats to Christian, the winner of this year's Fantasy Football League, a deserving champion. He was... Uh, the number one seed going into the playoffs. I was the two seed. We both made it to 
the finals, and uh, he humbled me, and, and his team put together a pretty good weekend while my team completely tanked. Speaking of tanking, where would the 49ers be drafting if the season ended today? Well, that would be number three overall. So they do have the tiebreaker right now by a slim margin of strength of schedule over the New York Jets, but that could change because that is very close. And those are the two teams with four wins. Arizona and Oakland would be one and two. They have three wins. But Oakland playing Monday night football, that is a winnable game. Their final home game in Oakland, will they be fired up for that? Will they win it for the Oakland crowd and beat the six in? Like they're, they're, we, we saw what the Broncos look like. The Broncos are, are a beatable football team for Oakland. So could Oakland maybe win? And then the 49ers would have the tiebreaker there. They would jump up to number two overall. If the 49ers win next week, the worst they could possibly do Depending on strength of schedule there, they would be in with the mix of teams with five wins, Detroit, Tampa, Buffalo, and New York, but they would definitely have the strength of schedule over most of those teams. Detroit is the one that they might not. So a six is the worst the 49ers could possibly be drafting, and it's still not impossible for them to get up to number one. I mentioned Oakland wins. The 49ers could jump up to number two. Then it's up to Arizona beating the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. Tough task, but Arizona only lost to Seattle by three the first time they met Division teams, you play twice a year, weird things can happen. And so not out of the ordinary, but most likely that's the tougher one is for Arizona to win next week. The Oakland Raiders get two more tries to win. They'll have Monday Night Football against Denver, which is the winnable one. Then they're at Kansas City, which is going to be a tough one. So odds are 49ers will end up drafting probably number three overall. If you're a betting person, that's probably where the 49ers went up would end up an outside chance of jumping down one or two spots depending on strength of schedule or if the 49ers were to win again. And that very outside spot that the 49ers could jump up to either number two or even number one, not impossible, not out of the question, but still probably unlikely. And that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On 49ers. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks to everybody who has been listening all year and helping me get to that 1 million download mark. It's been awesome being here with you guys daily. I hope you guys have enjoyed it as much as I have. And be on the lookout. Monday, I'm going to post that on Twitter and on Facebook so you can reply to those posts and enter the Locked On 49ers jersey giveaway while we celebrate the 1 million downloads. All right, thanks so much, everybody. I will be back later on in the week. We'll dip into the mailbag. Hit me up on Twitter, at BD Peacock. That's where you can find me and hit me up and get involved in the mailbag. That's where that giveaway entry will be. Or you can email the show, LockedOn49ers at Gmail. And I will talk to you guys then right here on Locked On 49ers.